G'day, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Scale HQ. I am interviewing this week Tina Tower. You may not have heard of Tina Tower, but what an awesome double barrel name she has. Um, I have actually followed Tina's content for over a year. Uh, I was thinking about how to create online courses um, for Scale HQ, and so I've actually followed her course on how to create online courses. Now, she is not just an online course creator, even though that is something that she does right now. She's actually built and sold four other businesses in different industries, including franchises and so on. So she knows a lot about business. She's she's back in the seven-figure category building this current business around online course creation, uh, and she's got a lot of um, suggestions and ideas. So for you, if you're a business founder and perhaps you're in a B2B business and you don't, you haven't even thought about creating a course or a community model or a mix of the two that could support you if you're a osteo or a chiropractor or a project manager or whatever your business model is, there are options where you can really scale your IP um, in a meaningful way to help more people, which I know everybody can get some real value from. So in the first part of this podcast, we're going to talk a bit about her background and also the current business and how she's working on scaling that given she's so instrumental to the way it works. And then secondly, we're talking about courses. And so for founders of um, B2B or B2C businesses, how can they think about courses as potentially part of that mix and what would that look like i really hope you enjoyed today's podcast as much as i had fun putting it together uh, with tina so over to you enjoy welcome to the scale hq podcast your weekly injection of tips and insights into the secrets of scaling i'm your host sean Steele, and i am obsessed with figuring out how to help founders just like you who are creating real value in the world to scale up so they can fulfill their potential. I do that each week by interviewing founders who successfully scaled, experts in all the areas of business that you need to master, interviews with founders who are still on the way up and 10 minute tutorials and reflections from me based on my experiences in creating 100 million bucks in revenue for four other companies over eight years. So let's dive in and see what gems we can find together on this week's episode of the Scale HQ podcast. Welcome back to our regular listeners and to anybody joining us, of course, for the first time. We are thrilled to have you. My guest this week is Tina Tower, multi-business founder, sold multiple times, author, speaker, podcast host, mummer of two man children, very similar to my <laughs> age children, as we just discovered. It was quite scary. Uh, won lots of awards, been in lots of media, Huffington Post, Fin Review, Telstra Business Awards, like this logo central. Uh, the list goes on. And currently... Managing director, head honcho, boss woman of like Tina Tower, training other people on how to commercialize and transform their knowledge into something more scalable, teaching them how to build online courses and communities and books and events and like the whole ecosystem. How are you? I'm so excited to have this conversation today. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. What a beautiful intro. <laughs> you can steal it if you like. It's totally yours. <laughs> it's always something that's really surreal when you get introduced on a podcast and you're like, that sounds so cool when it's wrapped up with a neat little bow with none of the in-between parts in it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially one that you didn't have to write for yourself, which is even better, right? Yes. Um, now, I believe Tanya, who leads our marketing, reached out to you and told you that I am a fanboy, um, which is what she said to me. And I was like, wow, that is so embarrassing <laughs> and slightly true. Did she tell you that? Um, I saw it and I've got to say she did well doing that because we get pitched for podcasts all the time for both people being on ours, for me being on other people's and they get deleted like 99.9% .9 of them. And if it wasn't for that line, it would have been deleted. So it was then that I went, oh, has he done our course? And then I like looked, looked up your history and our back end and was like, uh -huh. oh, amazing. And then I looked up your website. I'm like, yay, Sean, this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, she got you. 
That's awesome. Well, I will have to explain for our audience in the past year. So actually about, about 12 months ago and well before I actually changed the brand of Scale HQ, I realized um, I've got lots of stuff to offer, but I really want to turn into something more scalable. I can clearly only work with a number of founders. And so, you know, I have to transform the business model. I had lots of ideas on how to do that in the first one. And I have spent my whole, <laughs> my whole executive career building education businesses, mm-hmm. i.e. courses. And so I know a lot about how to manage large sales and marketing teams and product delivery to build courses for other people, but never having to do it myself <laughs> for my own brand. Very different experience. Yeah. So, uh, and you did a great you. job. It looks fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, just about to launch. I did your idea to launch course um, and I'm now putting together a foundation cohort for our uh, course that kicks off in a couple of months. So that yes. is very, um, very exciting. And you actually fit into, you know, usually I fit into uh, the founders, I, I sorry, the people I usually interview on this podcast are usually founders who've already scaled, like, you know, 50 to 100 mil yeah. um, or experts on key areas of business that I think founders really need to master if mm-hmm. they're going to scale up, especially seven-figure founders in that one to 10 mil range. You're trying to get to eight plus. And then, of course, um, you know, smaller groups, but of founders who are still scaling, who've got interesting stories, who are in that one to 10 mil, yeah, they're still growing, they're evolving. And so you fit two of those categories. Yes. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're an expert in an area that I think people Half like. life, current life. That's right. You've been a successful founder. You're an expert in an area that I think really matters and you're back in the seven-figure founder range and building your own So really exciting. So and I'd I have no to desire to ever be back where I was, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll talk yes. about. <laughs> You've had some learnings. Uh, so keen to unpack some of those learnings. And also, you know, to founders who are out there who go, well, I don't need to build, I, you know, I, I've never thought about building a course in my business. Like, I'm, you know, a lot of the people who are listening today might have, very successful, you know, seven and low eight figure businesses doing pest control or technology services or a million other things and never really considered actually how their IP and all this expertise that they're currently selling usually on a sort of time and cost materials or some other basis could be transformed and become more scalable where they can reach their impact um, goals faster. So lots to chat about. Um, Can I start with your business? Um, Super interested in like how you're thinking about that. So you focus very much on working with women um, across the world to package their expertise, uh, which I love. I'm interested in though, because uh, I've, I've listened to your podcast many times, so I've also heard your students who then crossed like the million dollar threshold and so they're in seven figures, hooray, and so they're now thinking about how they continue to um, level up. What is the, what's the most common obstacle that you see them face once they get like past one million and then maybe, you know, they're not quite, what do you think is going to prevent them, I guess, from getting to three or five or 10 if they're truly trying to continue scaling? 100% of the time, team. Every single time. Right. Yeah. Team. Mm. Every time. Yeah. yeah. That, that's it. It's you- the biggest barrier, I think, in growth, even for my business and for my clients' business, is always going, you know, people generally go into an online course business for the lifestyle benefits. Having ran service-based business previously, I've run retail stores, like all different types of business models. Online courses, I hate it when it's sold as like passive income because nothing's passive. It still takes Mm. a lot of effort, but it's very, very leveraged on the effort. And so if you have run a service-based business before, you'd find like an online business, an absolute piece of cake. But a lot of people go into online business because they want the lifestyle benefit of it, which includes less people to manage. And so Mm. often when people have business experience, they can scale to a million dollars quite not easily, but simply, pretty simply. But it's when you get to that stage, you're like, well, I kind of need support staff now. And people then will pause in going, 
we know bigger isn't always better when it's not our first rodeo. And so it's going, well, how far do we want to scale? What levers do we want to pull and what don't we? And then it's getting those, those team in place. And that is a hundred percent of the time what stops people is going, do we want to do a big team again? And how many people do we want and how much revenue and impact can we create on the certain amount of team that we want and Mm. playing that game? One of the things I also like that I've heard you say, or I listened to a podcast a long time ago that you'd done about how you thought about your P&L, which I thought was really instructive for any size business. It's like, well, you actually create a percentage of revenue that you allocate to team full stop. And so as the yeah. business scales up, it's like, okay, well, if I know that's my budget for next year and I'm confident that's what I'm going to hit, yeah. well, I know how much I have to spend on team. So I don't overspend on team yes. trying to stack the deck and invest ahead of the curve, which is often a very quick way to lose a lot of money. Not everything mm-hmm. goes the way you want. You've hired a whole bunch of people totally. and now you're in like ugh, ugly cash flow crunch stage. Yes. Um, what, what's, can you share what that sort of percentage is or, and, and do you think that changes when you, when you pass into seven figures? It changes slightly as you go through different stages. So I learned early on in my business, like using this percentage pie, because one of the things that I could never figure out was how I kept going up in revenue and kept having no money. And it was like the years went on and I'm like, <laughs> I've made more money. But I, where has all the money gone? (laughs) You know, I was three, four years (laughs) into business and just hadn't got a grip. I mean, granted, I'm nearly 40 now. I started my first business when I was 20. So I've been going for 20 years and that first five years, like 20 to 25, oh my gosh, I had so much to learn in terms of the basics of business and figuring that out. And so for me, the way my brain worked, I couldn't do like budgets in going, I allocate this amount of money to this, this amount of money to this, but the percentage pie made sense in my mind. Mm. So mm-hmm. taking a hundred percent of revenue and going, so this is, this is working after like GST after taxes have come out mm-hmm. and going, all right, with what we've got left, what do I want my percentage pie to look like? So always it was 20% was mine. That's always what Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I was paid first. Sometimes later you get extra dividends and that sort of thing. But to live on, I could go 20% was mine. That's my salary. And then 20% is going into team costs. So whether that's permanent team or contractors or anyone that I'm getting, that is what I would spend on that so that I didn't overspend. Um, 10% Mm -hmm. on marketing, 10% on course costs, 4% on charity. I spend a large amount on travel. It usually bounces between five and ten percent. Yeah, I regret okay. nothing. <laughs> but this is what I mean with everyone's personal percentage pie. Is yes, it's got to be in line with your values, with how you run your yeah. own business. And I think that that is different for everybody. I mean, I have some friends that are running courses, course creator businesses, similar sizes to mine. That they're percentage that they allocate to team is more up around the 30, 35% because they're mm-hmm. choosing to buy back a lot of time. So I still mm. work in my business quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I do about 30 hours a week, sometimes 40 hours a week inside my business. A lot of people have the goal of getting that lifestyle and kind of dipping in and doing like the performance part and the content creation and then letting everybody else run the operations. Um, mm. Whereas I'm still very heavily in that by choice and want to keep that money for myself too mm-hmm. yeah yep. so Lots it allows me to mm. never go out of balance with how much i'm spending on certain things because those hundred points are gone real quick <laughs> they disappear fast don't they no i really love that model because it's almost it almost gives you a great opportunity to step back and look at your business and reverse engineer your profitability and go yeah. okay 
given the EBITDA that I actually really want to hang on to at the end, what is left and how do I allocate that? And what is a reasonable percentage given? And what does that look like when I scale? And that I think it also, it nicely forces you to also really think about which, have I got the right roles? So to your point, like that team's evolving, you know, the team that's that's got you to a million dollars, whoever they were, is probably not the team that's going to get you to 5 million. And I know that you've gone through a process of really, you know, thinking about how do I allocate that bucket? And then what are the skills I'm going to need to make that, that yes. next one? Given your, I'm interested that given your, you know, so you've got courses and books and speaking, you, you know, your big, big part of what you do is your community model. Is there a, or has there been a single or, you know, a couple of like hero brand or, you know, like you, like you, you've looked at a business, you've gone, I love all of those ingredients. Those are the ingredients that I want to create for myself. Mm-hmm. How, how have you thought about where your business is heading? Has there been a, a model that you've looked at? Yeah, a little bit. And one of the, I mean, one of the frustrating things that people find working with me is I don't have like a, like a one size fits all. Like you've done idea to launch, which is like how to go from idea to a launched course. It's like a basic kind of six to eight week course. Here's how you create that. But then inside her empire builder, which is my membership, I teach people how to run the business behind the online courses. And one of the things that people get very frustrated with me with is I don't think there's one pathway that everybody should be doing. So some people are more, more suited towards, um, like high volume, low cost membership. Some people should mm-hmm. never run a membership because they don't want to have something ongoing, but they just want to do mm-hmm. a live launch open course for eight weeks, take six months off, go again. Like it's different for everybody. And I played with a lot of them at the start. So when I first came into like started seeing this wonderful world of online courses, I had come, I just sold my franchise company and I'd started business coaching people. So I was doing one-on-one coaching with service-based businesses that want to systemize and grow and sell. Um, And I was repeating a lot of the stuff over and over and over and over again. And then I got pushed this ad um, by James Wedmore and was like, oh, one to many, like, what is this? And so I went down the rabbit hole in learning that, loved James Wedmore's stuff, loved Amy Porterfield's stuff, but didn't want to, like neither of their business models was the one that I wanted to do. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I started with a course first and what I found was just launching the course. It was kind of, and this is where like my belief system and and roadblock probably has got in my way as well in terms of scaling. But, you know, we are who we are and we're complex mental (laughs) beings. But when I launched the course, I came from a service-based business where, you know, someone pays you the rate and then you deliver on that service. And it felt so weird to like you purchased my course and I didn't know your name. So like Mm. it, it just, it just is mind blowing to me. And what I found at the end of the year was I felt not empty, but like I couldn't see the result that I was getting. And and I felt Mm -hmm. like I was running a marketing business rather than a coaching business. And I am a primary teacher by trade. I love education. I love teaching. I love creating things for people. And I love being connected in a community as well. And so that's how I, I then went into the membership model um, was I was seeing people running, seeing other people running memberships. And I was like, this looks like a better fit for the way that I want to run. Um, mm. For a lot of my friends that I'm in masterminds with and that sort of thing, when I explain my business model, they're like, Tina, that sounds like hell because <laughs> I am very much like 
on the hook for talking to people all the time. So I have a perpetual membership. My membership never runs out. People can join mm-hmm. monthly if they want to. They can leave if they're no longer getting value, but we never end. And every month we have a masterclass, a guest expert session. We have a tech workroom. We have a Q&A session. We have a mindset session. Like we just give all of this education, all of the latest uh, resources and things to implement straight into people's businesses. And I love it because mm. I know... I know everybody and I can see them grow and I can see them changing and it's her empire builder, but we have three brave men in there um, that just wanted (laughs) to be part of it as well. And they're like, a voice allowed. I'm like, boys are allowed. (laughs) It's just the mission is to create more wealthy women in the world, you know, get that equality going. But the reason that I chose my business model was, was because it aligns with the life that I want to lead um, mm, and being mm. able to have that community. And, I mean, we've got a, our retreat next week um, where 80 people are all coming together and it'll just be like I love the magic of that. Mm. And so it's like this hybrid of of online but also like really scalable but also high touch point and it's priced yeah. accordingly for that too. Yeah. So given that then what what does the future look like for the business? Like, obviously, you know, you're not a infinitely scalable resource. So how do you have a certain size that you want to get to? Have you thought about what does the team look like if you were to double, you know, from here where you are or double again? Like, where, where does it go to? From Yes. So the honest answer is I don't know because I will mm-hmm. reassess at every level. And if I get like that warning sign of wrong way, go back, I have no shame in rewinding what I've done. Um, So one of the reasons why I sold my last company was it got to a certain size that I hated it. Mm. The weight of the responsibility, everything, like there's always urgency. There's always things going on. There's always like, I felt like every day was like, start and go, 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 go until you're like exhausted and paralytic Mm -hmm. on the ground. And Mm -hmm. then you sleep and then you do it again the next day. And I found myself in the loop of always going, you know, once I get over this quarter, it'll be fine. Or once I hire this (laughs) next person, it'll be fine. And I know you can relate to that by that sound. And I don't ever want to get myself in that situation again. So if I do, I will stop the growth and that is perfectly fine. So I am very well paid for what I do now. I have my retirement plan and pathway on there. I should be there by about 44 um, and then I am home and hosed. But in terms of how big I want to go, I know from my previous business, I love like a team of four, max six people. After it Mm -hmm. gets bigger than that, it's like, too many complex layers for me to, I just don't want that in my life. Mm, (laughs) I don't want to deal with mm. people's, you know, she said this and they said this and this person's getting, like just the shit that goes on with humans. um, I can look after and hold space for that many people. And I will do the best business that I can that has as much impact as possible at that point of which is huge compared to, Hmm. the amount of people that I needed in service-based business. Like we can do a lot more yeah. with a lot less now, like in online courses and with the technology. I mean, just AI alone this year has leveraged like one of my marketing people, for example, used to have two other VAs that now we don't even need. Like it's just yeah, right. insane the level that that has 
allowed us to expand reach with the limited capacity that we have. Um, but I think that will be it for me. At the moment, I have two mm. full-time staff and then some contractors. So I've still got a little bit of space to grow there. We have 180 women in our membership. I think we'll get to about 500 and then probably hold. Mm-hmm. But I'll see. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I think um, – What's beautiful about that is the recognition, and because you've been through the path before, lots of people who haven't been through the path before, they don't know what they, yes. they don't know what, what's the right way to say it? They don't know what success looks like yet, or they think what success looks like yes. is the opposite when they actually get there and they're like, oh my totally. God, I, to your point, I, all I'm doing is just managing people. And actually yeah. all I really love is building product or, yes. you know, I've seen numerous you know, CEOs go public and then go. This is the worst job in the world. Yes. I'm now spending, you know, 35% of my time managing shareholders and everybody else's intentions for totally. me and like trying to defend everything. He's like, you know, yeah. you, but when you get that experience and you get the opportunity to reset and redesign, what a beautiful, um, it is. Beautiful and it's knowing what you want to, like we're trained, like our messaging that we get fed all the time is like, how big can we go? Like, what is our potential? What is our capacity? And I am still very much want to see mm. what my potential is. But mm-hmm. in the way right now of going, how awesome and big can I make this without mm. flogging myself? Like, that is yeah. the challenge. And I still mm. remember when I had my franchise, I had a board. And one of the men that was on my board, he'd sold Brumby's Bakery for, oh, yeah. I think it was like $57 million. So he mm-hmm. was very, very good. And he sat me down one day and was like, Tina, you, you are a great founder. Like taking a business from ideation to a few million, like you have that in you. It's like you are not good. At maintaining, <laughs> like you're, a, everyone's got their skill set, and he's like, I can tell you're bored, you're frustrated, like this is, you're good at the startup, like that's where you are, and so, I was a little bit offended when he first said that to me, but I sat with it and was like, you're right, like there's some people that love getting a company and just day to day making sure those cogs are turning and that their operations are all running rinse and repeat over and over again. Mm. Like that makes me want to stick skewers in my eyeballs. Like, no. (laughs) So I think part of our happiness as business owners is choosing the game that we want to play. And then no matter what we think surrounds that being okay with that. Now, what if I told you that with just 15 minutes of effort, you could find out the top three things that are going to hold your business back from scaling in a sustainable way so that you can fulfill its potential and you can enjoy it as much as you deserve to. And what if I told you in that same 15 minutes of effort, you can find out how your business stacks up against thousands of other businesses who've taken the same test so you can actually see how you compare. If that sounds interesting, you need to head straight over to ScaleHQ com.au forward slash growth score. You're going to complete a short survey and you're going to get back in your inbox a free nine page report. It's going to show you how you stack up versus your peers and where you need to focus to unlock scalability and a greater level of enjoyment in your business. And for a limited time, I'm going to offer you a free 30 minute debrief on the report where myself or one of our Scale HQ founder mentors who are all experienced CEOs and have scaled successfully will unpack your specific report with you. We've done hundreds of these, and so we know exactly how to help you get the most out of the insights in there. There's no selling from us, just lots of value for you. Head over to scalehq.com.au forward slash growth score and get your free growth score report right now. You are going to love it. Do you think there's a, do you think, I mean, there'll be an interesting question for you to digest as you get um, to that 
next stage or to you know, you're getting closer to that limitation where you're like, well, actually the way that I'm spending my time is no longer in line with what I want. Because, you know, it sounds like, like many found that you, know, you love the creation, you love the connect- connectivity with the community and being at the mm-hmm. events and you, you, know, you get a lot of energy from that side. And you've got a great opportunity because of the way the business model works to hire some, you know, less people, but really great people that really have the ability to help you scale. And then maybe there's a role at some point for the head of ops or the COO or whatever the title is. So you continue to offload some of that people management, but you get to still play in the space that you want to be. You know, I always think about, you know, some of the, some of the big, you know, currently, you know, coaching brands like people like Jay Shetty, who, you know, I saw how early he got on a COO, like a partner to mm. be his, so he's like, I, I don't, I don't even know how to do, I don't, I, nor do I have a desire, nor do I have the skill set, you know, to run a team of that size. Yeah. Let's not let, let's not have me do that. <laughs> let yes. me focus on creativity and product and that's where I am and that's what I do and I connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder whether and that me, might have been an interesting the, point for you to cap it. It's a certain type of person. So there has been one person that I have come across that I've been like, you, I could work with you that has like the different side. He just mm. sold his past company and I was like, you want half of mine? I reckon we could I reckon we could go and do this together. And he's he's off now writing novels and doing fabulous things. Didn't <laughs> want to do it again. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I'm always yes. open to... Like if that right person comes along, yeah. then yes, I would definitely mm. consider that. But it'd have to mm. be, it's not like something you can put an ad in seek and go, Yeah, I doubt I would ever find someone that way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, to your heart and soul. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. So I am super interested. So thank you very much for sharing um, that journey. I, I am really interested to get your thoughts in a, in a creative way on the kinds of founders that we might have listening today. So we, you know, we have lots of, um, you know, seven and low eight figure founders and they're, they're in, some of them are in some really boring, like let's call them boring industries, you know, like, I don't know, recruitment and procurement and tender writing and um, technology services. And there's, you know, some global travel companies, ed tech businesses, yeah. project management and all sorts of stuff. Right. And many that, and a significant number of them are B2B businesses. Um, providing services and good solid businesses like healthy growing good EBITDA great businesses Um, but very little that is scalable beyond their capacity to invest and scale team yeah Uh, and so I'm super interested into some of the the places um, that perhaps you've seen or that you've coached people through who've got a sort of b2b model maybe rather than a b2c uh, kind of consumer-based course Um, work on courses to find ways to leverage their um their scalability can you can you talk to me about mm. where are some of those opportunities even just as i read some of those out there might be things that bubble up to you or your previous clients yeah over to you your thoughts i mean it's incredible what people have made courses out of like i am constantly surprised when i hear from someone and i'm like hmm, okay how can we make that work and then you start doing it and you go wow that's pretty cool um so it's the easiest way to think of it for existing businesses is not as a separate business, but just as another product that you've got mm-hmm. in your in your office suite of everything that you do. So, you know, there's it's a very different thing when you're, um, oh, you know, like we've got one of our members uh, teaches gardening to target market stay at home mums that want to run small edible gardens to feed their kids. That is a very different setup to someone who is. Um, 
a psychologist who is going to run courses to roll out to all of KPMG's team members Mm. to be able Mm -hmm. to do in their corporate life. But the same ethos kind of applies in both of them. And I think a lot of the people that I talk to in really high level businesses that are doing like those eight figures and they're like really want to be able to scale more with that. But I don't know if it's possible for us because they think they're so special and you are, you are so special. Um, (laughs) But it's the same thing in going, all right, well, how can you get those repetitive parts and how can you scale that throughout? Um, So, you know, we've got one, one of our guys that I've worked with is He's a mindset expert and he was going in and doing corporate training for Westfields. Um, So all of the Mm -hmm. corporate team in Westfield, so thousands and thousands of people working through there. Um, And then he was like, well, I need something to scale. So we put on like a 30-day mindset program and they Mm -hmm. bought thousands of life, like seven-figure amount of licenses to roll out across their corporation. So there's a whole lot of different ways that you can be able to Mm. do it and scale and reach. Um, It's really more of a hybrid model. So if you're already working in corporates or you're already doing like large scale B2B, is probably more like a hybrid in that you will still have some level of consultation and service delivery, but it can be Mm. backed up or complemented by an online component that allows like a greater sale price and also a greater impact through the work that you're Mm. doing as well. Mm. I wonder about um, that's. I mean, that's such a great example of right, like how to scale. You know, when people used to just do one day communication skills courses, like, well, how many freaking people am I going to have to get in front of? I'm going to be on a plane twenty four hours a day, flying yes. around the country, like so inefficient. Um, yeah, and and just an online course in and of itself may also not be enough. But yes. you know, pro, you know, blended. I, I always think you know this so much value in blended um and, you know yeah. blended's a big word but you know to find i always think everybody hates being having to sit in front of somebody and be told the boring stuff that that actually they can learn themselves in their own time now they may not want to do it in their own time yeah. if they're at work and they're being paid put it to on do, two you know, times skills. speed <laughs> exactly it, yeah. it's like you know every it's like great like teach me the boring stuff allow me to do it in a, in a way that suits me but then when you bring me together with a group of people or with an instructor make it really valuable make it the kind of conversations that i can't have anywhere else make it like yes. a sharing of an experience and think about what is this person going to have to do at the end? And therefore, what are like if this was just a big set of ingredients, what's the right set of ingredients to put together from how long the course takes to how much is online to how much is in a room? Is it a community? Is it sort of tightly knit? Is it a big group? You know, what, what conversations am I going to have? You know, there's all these ingredients to put together, isn't there? See, you've got it. You can take my job. Yeah, well, because I, I, I was really struggling to think about some. And then as you started talking, I started thinking about more. I met with a sustainability expert the other day. He's like, super high level like you know director multiple boards like yeah really senior strategy person and we were talking like they're going to be dealing with like chief sustainability officers these are like so what people like that have a great success rate in doing is doing like they meet face to face with like the leadership teams in organization to teach them Mm -hmm. the sustainability practices and then they provide them with like probably a white labeled component that is customized for that company that can then be pushed out to all of the staff with that. Mm, So a lot of it, the face-to-face is with executive leadership teams in companies, but then they're giving also online instead of putting people through all of these training things that they have to leave their businesses for, like leave their normal Mm. workday, they can just consume it on their phone on an app, Mm. which is great. 
I like that. I mean, imagine if that if you were a cybersecurity um, expert and your ability to work with the leadership team, but here's all the principles and I've got a whole yeah. package thing so we can flow this all the way throughout. So there's no yes. dislocation to your point between what all the individuals are learning and what actually the leadership team is on board. Yeah, I really yeah. like that. That's yeah. an interesting model. I thought sometimes, you know, sometimes you also get, I noticed that as an executive, other executives really valued and found it difficult to build relationships with other people in the same role in different companies. And so if it's not competitive, you know, like could you pull together a sort of invite only high ticket price, you know, group of nine, you know, chief sustainability officers in almost like a mastermind group where they Fine. have their kind of offline curriculum. But then you bring, this is like a tight, there's not going to be anybody below the C-suite in this room. Like it's super tight, Chatham House rules, like could be a really interesting way of leveraging community and yeah. some offline content. I mean, that's my favorite thing. Like community building is my favorite thing. Having really cool conversations with really cool people is I mean, who doesn't love that? Well, a lot of people don't love that, but I love that. <laughs> and for a lot of people, what I hear from a lot is is when people are starting these mastermind groups and starting these higher level groups is for a lot of people in those roles, they're quite isolated because they've got no one that they can really share with honestly mm. and openly. So it's it's a really valuable space to be in. How do you how do you manage community as a gets large mm. like how you know especially if you're you know everyone's kind of coming for you and they want access to you and then how do you sort of build up the community management capability to ensure that people still get a great experience but you're obviously not you know in the community every 25 seconds responding to things yes a lot um there is a lot of moving parts <laughs> to managing community effectively so a couple of different things is it is sadly different for men and women so i have um a lot of clients that are running female-based companies serving females and a lot of mm -hmm. friends of mine that are men that are running communities. And what I find is the men that are running communities, it's far easier to manage a community than the women. And what I mean by that is mm. men can say, put their personal mobile number on everything. And if you need anything, just reach out. No one's calling. Because when I ask people like, why don't you, why don't you give them a call? Oh, they're busy. They don't, I don't want to bother them. However, because of social conditioning, all sorts of things, if a woman says, just give me a call if you need anything, she needs something. She's going to call all the time. Um, and so you need to be aware of that and have firmer boundaries if you are a female because boundaries are used to being pushed over. As, as a female. Right. So I have really mm -hmm. strong parameters of, of where my line ends for each of the different levels of membership. Otherwise, like, for example, when I started, we have a Facebook group and I nearly had death by Facebook group. Like I was getting tagged in that Facebook group every half an hour with questions that can be Googled. And so I had to be really like upfront with going, all right, step one, Google it. Step two, <laughs> look in the library. Then if you're stuck, ask in the group, but do not tag me every five seconds. And so then I had to have all of those different parameters of when I'm available to be contacted, when I am not, I will never put my phone number on anything. Um, mm -hmm. But you always need a place to get questions answered. So for example, I'll run a live and do Q&A and I will openly say, I will not get off until every question is answered. So I will sit there as long as it takes and answer everybody's question until they have run out. And that way people are never feeling like they're missing out. Um, mm. And I'll probably continue doing that right up until we've got 500 clients because a lot of the questions, what I find is when people start ask asking them, people are like, oh, 
it's all right. She's just answered my question. It's the same sort yeah. of one. Mm. Um, so that works really well. I also love like with community, it's it's fostering those connections. So one of our most popular sessions that we have is virtual networking. So we alternate every month between coffee and connections and business and bubbles. And we send people into breakout rooms so that they can chat, share ideas, collaborate mm. together, get on each other's podcasts, each other's business shows, like help build each other's businesses. And a lot of people... I think join my program because of me um, mm. and they've heard me somewhere and they're like, you know, we want that, but they stay for community. Like they yeah. realize it's, I agree. it is so much bigger than me, what we do. Um, and people have their friendship groups in there. We have live events. We go on adventures together overseas. Like there's so many different things that happen. It's its own little ecosystem. And I've heard people that have other communities that try and prevent that from happening. Like no selling, no cross promoting. We have a whole ecosystem. Like there's graphic designers that get most of their work from our group. Mm. There's people that sell business courses that get most of their their work from our group. Like it's great. I love it. Mm -hmm. Bring it. Wow. Yeah. There's so much uh there's so much to that, isn't there? And so when you think about how how did you think about the pricing then in a community model for you know if you want to add you know live events and all the rest so are all of those face-to-face -face style events they're all you know over and above i assume none of that's included in the membership that's like hey you want to come we set the price or how do you yeah. So I have, I have two different levels. I have her empire builder, which is our like totally scalable group. So there's no one-on-one -on -one or small group with me. So that's mm -hmm. all of our scalable stuff. Um, and we do that for $5.99 a month. And then when we do our retreats, people can buy tickets to that. And each one is different depending on our Australian mm -hmm. retreat is a little bit less than our international retreat. Um, mm -hmm. And people can choose whether they want to come to that or not, which is why we usually have about 80 people at those mm -hmm. events. But mm -hmm. then I have Empress Circle, which is our higher level mastermind. Um, so that's people doing over 100K on each of their online course launches. And they come together um, in team squads every month. So we have groups cool. of eight that come together and they go through the whole program together. So they're really tight knit they're very honest they've got people to bounce off they're really engaged but they have included live events as well because I know that the greatest community builder that we can actually do is you put someone inside a room together and actually sit human to human and you're like hi friend and then online magic happens after that because yeah, they've had that connection yeah, yeah. Um, totally with you so when I first started, I included events for everyone going through and then realized I was making zero money. <laughs> so then we did the offer separating that out from there as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, so, I mean, I, I'm planning on building a, a founder, um, a founder mastermind type model and, you know, and a peer Ooh, advisory We can chat price point later. Yeah. Love to, love to chat about that. And, and you know, I'm sure there'll be other conversations about your learnings there. I have, you mentioned before, how AI has already started to impact your operations um, and how you probably do, I assume, mostly in marketing. Um, is that where you're sort of finding generative AI quite helpful? Yeah, a lot of marketing, a lot of admin too. It's probably mm. where we're using it the most. Marketing okay. more than anything, yeah. Yeah, okay. How do you think, I mean, this is a big crystal ball question, right? Because obviously it's changing rapidly, like it's probably changed since we started this conversation materially. Yeah. There's an entirely new model we don't even know about. Yeah. But You've got, um, you know, you've got the sort of advent of deepfake and, you know, the, I think, you know, this sort of mm. future of 
who do I trust for content and how authentic is it? And did they really say that? And blah, blah, blah. How do you feel that's going to play out in the kind of world of course creators and people trying to create their IP and, and, and leverage it sort of less so than operations, but more about kind of content yeah. and how that. I think as it goes on, I mean, I went to South by Southwest in March, which was all focused. So it's a tech conference in Austin mm-hmm. for those who haven't heard of South by Southwest, my favorite week of the year, if you haven't been and you like to geek out on stuff, it's like Disneyland for nerds. Um, but the whole focus was pretty much on AI and it was really interesting in listening all of, to all about that and what the futurists think are going to happen as it kind of unfolds. Um, but from what I see is people that are consuming online are a lot more sophisticated than they were five years ago even. So, you know, when I started in online courses, a really big trend was like fake live webinars with deadline funnels. So, Uh, you know, like running them and being like, you have to buy in the next 30 minutes or your time will run out, but they're not real. Like they're not really there. The the funnel will still be there tomorrow. Like there's no, but now like people's bullshit meter is higher. And I think Mm. that as... AI takes over a lot of the functionality, it will get even higher because people are like, is this true? Is this not? And we'll trust, like trust will be harder to buy, I think. So I think that's where it is even more important for thought leaders to be able to share their thoughts and interpretations on things. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I use ChatGPT every single day right now. Mm. Like it has saved me. Oh my gosh, amazing. But as like a roadblock destroyer so if I'm like how should I do this or um you know I have this framework or this model what steps do you think I can take to teach that in a way that's going to be interpreted by these sort of people and it will like scaffold it out and then I can use those talking points to then like improve my Mm. ideas and my thinking Mm. and different things so I still think it works really well when you ask it the right questions and I don't think you can fake that so much. I mean, there was just a court case um, in New York that I saw where there was a really well-respected lawyer who cited a case law of something that ChatGPT had told him that it had made it up Um, and he's now been disbarred and all of that sort of thing. So it does, like some of it is not true. And so we still need to discern that. And look, I do think it will get better at that Mm. and much smarter and develop more reasoning and start to sound like I've learned how to put our brand voice guide into there. And it can sound pretty close to me for things like social captions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's only as good as what you're feeding into it. So you still need to have the ideas and yeah. and know how to deliver that. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what will happen. Um, but so far I love it and I think it's only a positive mm. thing. And I think the, I don't think, AI, I read this quote the other day that said, um, AI won't take over the world, but people who know how to utilize AI will. And I was mm. like, Yes, agreed. I like that. Yeah. Well, it feels like, you know, if you don't, if you're not on the front of this, um, like if you're not playing with it constantly yeah, and you're not involved in it, you're not going to see stuff coming. You're not going to see the opportunities and you're also not going to see the risks. And so, yeah. you know, there's, there's stuff that we don't know that's going to evolve, which could really negatively impact you, but also could massively enable you and yeah. you're not going to see either of them. <laughs> so yeah. if you're not spending like half an hour a day playing with chat GPT yeah. and any other AI tool you can get your hand on. Yeah. And it changes right? all the time. I mean, even just last week, like I was playing with, um, like we used to spend 
about an hour a week was allocated to like the video for our podcast and the videos that we chop up from our masterclasses Mm -hmm. and getting the transcription for them and getting the quotes like put over the top and all of those different things. found this one called Opus, which is still in its very training stages. So Mm-hmm. please no one go, I must use this because it still has faults. Um, but I think it will take over like VED and video and all of these different things. So you literally mm-hmm. drag in like your hour long. So you could drag this recording in of our podcast mm-hmm. and it pulls out like ranks from 100% to low of its best 60 seconds with your font colors, with your font type, with all of your branding on top in like two minutes Mm. and most of them that I've used before I've looked at the clips that they've pulled out and I've gone it actually wasn't my favorite 60 seconds so Mm -hmm. I'm not happy but this one is like spot on picking it up beautiful and so that's just like given a whole hour back yeah and that will only get better and better on all of our fronts I think and I think, you know, one of the things that will be quite interesting for content creators is if you, you know, I guess some of the current dialogue around AI is that, of course, those with the best proprietary data sets um, are going to be the ones who stand to gain the most from AI. Because, of course, if you think about what's happening in, if, if you're going to write all your content from what is essentially the, I don't know, let's call it the best or the average of what everybody else has already thought, mm-hmm. then there's nothing new about that. And yes. all of that's ubiquitous and available for free. So yeah. how, why would people want to come to you for that? I'd actually be unafraid of adding your style to it. And, you know, you think about, I don't know, are you thinking about recording now all of your communities? Like, you think about the data sets, like the questions that get asked, how people respond to it, what you have to say about it. Like all of that becomes just such a massive data set for you to train AI on in the future. Yeah. Um, amazing opportunity. Are you yeah, already recording your I saw sessions? someone's got in, in beta at the moment that you can take everything that you've ever created as a content creator, every podcast interview you've done, have been a guest on or done yourself, every masterclass, every, every single thing, and you can load it all into this file vault and then it'll bring out and then it will literally like mine through all of it and just create whatever you want. And I'm like, that's cool. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. I, I mean, yeah. The reality is Scale HQ, where part of what we do is we provide advice to founders who are in the ways of, sca- and not, you know, who are scaling up. And so I'm already going, does that mean I need to record every advisory board session from now on? And like, what happens to that data in the back end? And can I make sure that's protected? Like, it's such a big, it's yeah. such a big change. You think privacy, about the Privacy, I think, now, will be one of the biggest issues that we come up against as it grows. Privacy, for sure. And it feels like that's the, you know, feels like that's the most important place for regulators to be playing a real role to go, hey, guys, like this is a big problem if we start sort of releasing it everywhere. But you think about right now, you imagine if you're Tony Robbins, like <laughs> how many decades worth of content does that guy have? Yep. You could probably get a pretty much absolute word perfect Tony Robbins you could, agent he's saying of ChatGPT. <laughs> he's, like, he's saying the same stuff. Yeah. But what I think what will be interesting is what, what won't go away is – to your earlier point around the community, why does community matter? Because people need connectivity with other people and they mm-hmm. actually get energy from that and they get relationship from that. And it's not always, it's a long way past being about just content because content, to be frank, is pretty ubiquitous, not that hard to come by. I don't know, the original thoughts are all kind of out there, right? Like yeah. stuff's there, but creating the right ingredients to create the right experience that connects exactly. people, that's always going to be not the role of AI. And so yeah. good opportunity for those who do that. Um, so good. 
Thank you so much. I um, just I really enjoyed uh, this conversation today. I was it's, it's weird for me, as I'm sure it is for anyone who gets to interview who's been listening to your stuff for ages. I listen to your podcast very regularly. It's oh, it's James Dallas. She's like in my ears. Now she's here, and um, you have great. <laughs> it's you have great, really um, me. <laughs> it's really you. Uh, but of course, I'm exceptionally disappointed that you did not know my name while I enrolled, and so we're going to have to fix that with your AI, um, your, your bots going forward. Um, yes. Tina, if people want to um, get in touch with you. I don't mean with your mobile number, but uh, learn more about how to build online courses, follow along with a journey about how many billions or no billions you decide to create in the future. Like, Where would you direct people? Yes, tinatower.com. And I mean, if I've done my work right as a content creator, you should be able to find me on pretty much anything and everywhere. Anything. <laughs> She's ubiquitous. I love it. That's good. Well, folks, uh, before you go, I mean, huge thank you um, to Tina for your time today. Folks, if you would like to learn how to build a business that's as kick-ass as Tina's that has clearly got a great growth strategy behind it, which is really thought about the business model and building the skills to execute it, first, you need to get your plan in place uh, and get your business model optimized for scale in some of the ways that we've just talked about. And that's where Scale-Up's roadmap uh, comes in. So as I mentioned to Tina um, earlier, I'm only making eight spots available for the foundation course. It's kicking off in August. So there's already five of those spots gone. If you're interested in being one of the other three, it's not for everyone. It's got to be for the right people. Head over to scalehq.com.au, click on the education link. You will find everything you need to know about the course. Stick your registration of interest and I will chat to you directly and we'll see if it's a good fit for us both. Thank you very much, Tina. It has been a real honor for me and um, I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. The team here at Scale HQ hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Now, if you want to achieve scale, but you want to know what's going to hold you back, we can help. Head over to scalehq.com.au forward slash growth score to get your free nine page growth score report. That's going to help you understand where your top three barriers are to scale. And if you'd like, we'll even do a free debrief on the report for you with no obligations or expectations, just lots of value from some CEOs who've scaled to help you on your journey. That's scalehq.com.au forward slash growth score and find out what's holding you back from fulfilling the potential of your business today.